Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby. And I'm Emma. And we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Hi guys. Hello. What episode is Emma? through them aren't we cantering oh. through <laughs> tell you a rate of knots <laughs> canter at a rate of knots I, I reckon you gallop more yeah as a Jilly Cooper aficionado yeah I know yeah, all okay. about the horse gates thank you for confirming that yeah, yeah. I'm sure Cat Brown would confirm that too. yes exactly get in yeah. touch Cat let us know <laughs> um I hope you're all well hope you've had a good week I'm well yeah okay yeah. Good, that's good that's just good. thought I'd give you some yeah. response yeah. there it's nice if you've got um, response I'm not because we are recording this on what can only be described as the spare podcast mic. We are, which is why the sound might be a bit strange. Yeah, and that's because I'm a moron and left it on the train. So apologies to everyone for that. That is 100% my fault and I am an idiot. But it does mean that we get to sit very close together. Which is lovely. Mm -hmm. It's Mm. very cosy. Very nice. Intimate. Very nice. Yeah. So, um, we've got some news. Yeah? Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, some of you might have seen on Instagram already, but um, basically we are working with a company called Thriver, which is a proactive health company and does blood testing kits at home. So you can test for a range of different things. Some of you might remember that I used it back in, I'm going to say November, to test my... A while ago. Yeah. Before we knew them. Before we started talking to them mm-hmm. properly, um, I, t- I used it to test my thyroid, but it tells you all sorts of things. And basically, they're launching two new products, which are about female hormones. So there's like a baseline test that tests for kind of stuff like FSH, 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 FSH. estradiol, testosterone, all those kind of things that we get tested when we go to the doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a menopause test to see... Uh, if you're approaching the menopause mm-hmm. or if your hormones suggest that you might be. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're going to host an event, right? And it's going to be really cool. Yeah, man, it's going to be awesome. It's a bit scary, well, but we're awesome cool about it. With us hosting, obviously. Am I the only one that's scared? You're quite a pro at this, aren't you? No. I think you are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's say yes. Um, and there's going to be all kinds of people there, like people like... Um, Got to say, quite excited about Meg Matthews. Yeah, she's going to be talking about the menopause because she is a menopause campaigner trying to get people to look at it more positively. Yeah. And that's interesting. But also, um, firm favourites, Alice Rose is going to be there. Yeah. Um, Becky from Defining Mum is going to be there. Yeah. Um, others will also be present. Loads of experts. Basically, there's three panels. One is a kind of a real-life stories panel. The other one is like an experts panel. And then we've got the menopause panel. And um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool, man. It is. Um, it's on the fourteenth of March. Yep. It's in London. Yes, in London's Marleybone <laughs> or Mary Lebone. Mary Lebone. Mary Lebone. Um, and yeah, like you can get. We've got twenty tickets, haven't we? Yeah, basically, it's kind of almost sold out. But <laughs> um, the lovely people at Thriver 
and Catchcoms who work with them have saved 20 tickets for listeners. So if you move quickly, yeah. post haste, you can bag <laughs> yourself one of those tickets. I think they're £25 with a discount on the hormone testing kits, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and apparently there's goodie bags as well, which I will be greatly looking forward to. Um, and we'll put a link in the um, show notes. Yep. And we'll put a link on our website. And we'll put a link on all our social medias. It's links everywhere, basically. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's exciting. Um, what else is exciting this week? You spoke to Vanessa Hay. I did, yeah. I had a really nice chat with a lovely woman called Vanessa Hay, who we discovered basically because she wrote an article in the Metro during the kind of fertility month that they ran back in, I'm going to say again, November. <laughs> Apparently everything happened in November. Um, <laughs> or everything takes three months to organise. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she wrote a really powerful piece in there talking about her experience of infertility as a black lady. And basically we invited her to have a chat and it was really, really good. Really interesting. Yeah. Um, some of the sound on it is a bit funny, but you'll get used to it really quickly. So... Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then you also spoke to Professor Tim. Basically, I'm absent on this podcast, aren't oh, I? Sorry, mate. No, it's all right. I just I'll like pushed you it. out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I spoke to Professor Tim Child, medical director at Oxford Fertility, about... Should you take your drugs on time? Oh, yeah. I forgot there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, anybody who's done IVF like has 10,000 alarms set, but there are times that you just miss it um yeah i think if you know you've got alarms pinging on your phone all day long it's yeah. just nuts so i think yeah it's interesting but if you do basically if you don't manage to take it on time like is it going to be a disaster or is it absolutely fine we'll find out guys yeah um yeah and other than that as usual please rate and review us um i'm gonna say apple podcasts again because that is um, quite a big place. one for us. Yep. Um, but wherever you get your podcast is great. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram. At Big Fat Negative. On Twitter. At Big Fat Negative. On Facebook. Big Fat Negative. And you can email us. Big Fat Negative Podcast at gmail.com. Many thanks. See you soon, guys. Enjoy the show. Hey, Gab. Hey. Sitting in second home, we are. Um, so it's a little bit noisy in the background, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. But but we're going to have a nice chat anyway. Um, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I have had an interesting week. Okay. Um, Monday, I took the day off my freelance work <laughs> um, <laughs> to to look after my friend's baby for the day. Oh Which, my god. Yeah. Um so my friend is on mat leave. She has a five month old daughter called Isla. Hello Claire. Um Hi, and Claire. <laughs> she basically wanted to go to a an industry conference so that she could kind of keep her foot in the ring. Foot in the foot in the door? Foot in the foot in. Keep her toe in. Keep, there we go. That's yeah. it. That's the analogy. Yeah. Just keep her toe in. Boost her knowledge. <laughs> exactly. And um and she, yeah, she asked who could do it. And obviously, because I'm freelance now, I was like, well, I could probably do that. And then, yeah, it dawned on me the day before the enormity of the fact that I would have to look after a five-month-old child for an entire day. Oh, my out God. Out and about. Like, so I couldn't be at home or at Claire's house. So we needed to be near the conference centre, which was in South Ken. Because she's still breastfeeding? Not because she's still breastfeeding, just because I think she wanted to make sure if something went wrong, she was close by. Okay. So... So yeah, it was um, it was actually really good. So what adventures did you and baby Isla get up to? Well, we we went to Carluccio's, Ooh. where she had her first first feed of the day. Lovely. Then we went to Hyde Park, went Lovely. to see the swans. Um, then she had a meltdown. That was the hairiest part of the day. <laughs> uh, started crying, wouldn't go back in the buddy, buggy. I couldn't get the sling to work so I could wear her so to speak so I just was I was just carrying her around in this giant snowsuit she was bawling her eyes out oh my god <coughs> and, and um, it was cold and babies are heavy yeah and yeah so that was a bit bit of a hairy moment but okay. then um it was fine we went to Whole Foods together oh. 
Which is everyone's favourite place, and yeah. hers too, it seems. Oh, really? Yeah, I sang her a little song about how middle class it was, which she enjoyed. <laughs> Can you sing it to us now? <laughs> I don't know what it was like. <laughs> Something along the lines of, we're middle class and we're really posh, that's why we're in this lift. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. But, um, but yeah, it was from a kind of trying for a baby, jealousy upset perspective it was all it was all completely fine I I enjoyed hanging out with her I didn't feel weird or sad at any point and the only thing I kind of decided against was going to a stay and play which is like where mums go and take their and dads go and take their kids and like have toys to play with and stuff and I just felt I didn't really want to go there and pretend to be a mum or have to talk about why I wasn't, even though I probably wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have had to explain like, like I can't have my own children. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean. But um, <laughs> oh, I she's just, not mine. <laughs> she's not mine because oh, I'm going through IVF. Um, I'm sorry, I don't belong here. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fraud. So, uh, so yeah, I kind of decided to give that a swerve. But other than that, it was it was a really nice day, and I was glad I did it. Um, and I proved to myself that I can look after a child for seven hours you kept her alive i did yeah so that's well bodes done, well for hopefully the future um and then the following day i had my appointment at the clinic Ooh. to discuss next steps cool yeah very with, cool with a consultant with not only a consultant the director of my clinic oh. who i've never met before and he was like really nice guy quite intense but he was like you know i've been watching you your you know your progress i know everyone in the clinic's story so i know how everyone's doing and yeah it's good to finally meet you so did he know how important you were i don't like, think he knew i was famous okay <laughs> <laughs> he should and i thought i wouldn't mention it cuz it just make him nervous you know <laughs> do you know who i am um but he he was really nice and really engaged and answered a load of my questions. And if I'm completely honest, I'm probably not going to remember everything because it was quite a lot that we chatted about. Okay. But we talked about whether I wanted to put one or two in. And I was, I said, definitely one. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about the chance of that one splitting into two, which I think is quite a it's quite a topical thing. I think there's been a few people on Instagram that it's happened to of yeah. late. And um, and I was like, is that, I know the chances are like one or 2%. It's really slim. Yeah. But I said, is it, are there, is there chances higher in the IVF process than in the natural world? And he was like, yeah, strangely they are. How weird. Yeah. I didn't so, know that. I know, right? So he said that if you have a five day blastocyst, it increases the chances of it splitting into two. Wow. I know. But they don't know why. He was like, it's only, and it's only a tiny, tiny percent more. So it's it's hardly worth even mentioning, but it is more. Wow. I know. That's crazy. I wanna I'm gonna go home and look up some studies. I know, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Um so that was interesting and I was like definitely one. Thank you. <laughs> In that case. Um and if we found out that all of our embryos are of equal um quality so there's not like a leader there's not one that they're definitely going to go for which is i guess good because we've got four decent chances Uh and then we spoke about whether i would do a natural or a medicated um frozen embryo transfer and what was the choice so i think he we spoke he he kind of gave me both options and the pros and cons Mm. and and he asked me you know he was like, I'm not going to tell you what I think you should do. What What do you think at this point? Which uh-huh. I thought was really nice. It's nice. But and it also just, means you have to make the choice. Yes. But then I clearly chose the one he was thinking. Okay. Because I said, because of my paranoia about my progesterone and yeah. stuff, I said I always thought that doing a medicated cycle would, would prevent any problems in that area. Okay. And he said, yes, I think that's probably a good idea, even though my progesterone isn't that bad. But yeah. he was like, you know, and the luteal phase shouldn't even be an issue, potentially. But he said, I think it's better to have the control and yeah. to not be anxious. So yeah. he said, go for medicated. Cool. And then he said that he would actually suggest that I did a kind of a double progesterone um, assist, assisted. Okay. Which, which it means that it'll be pessaries and injections. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a delightful life you're about to lead. I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not chuffed about that. No. It sounds like, I mean, that's potentially 12 weeks of injections yeah. if it goes well. 
On the plus side, you can make that really creepy picture of the baby with the heart of, oh, yeah. of uh, syringes around uh, it, yeah. like some kind of baby smack addict. And I will. Yeah, do no, it. No, I actually won't. <laughs> um, I'm not a huge fan of those images. No. Um, yeah, so that's that's going to happen, which I'm yeah, I feel a bit funny about, but but fine. If that's, I just I just felt like he's looking at my charts and he's making decisions based on my information so yeah. I'm just going to go with what he says and that's mm-hmm. it I'm not going to argue with him even though he was giving me an option to argue <laughs> fool yeah. um well. and that was good and then I spoke to him about the New York thing about yeah. when we were going to do it and his his response was that flying isn't a problem mm-hmm. and going to New York wouldn't be a problem mm-hmm. his only re- like um reservation was that if I had any problems if I had any thing that I needed to speak to them about that I would be five hours in difference away time zone different time zone and you know far away from the clinic yeah so he was like for that reason we'd tend to caution people away if if possible and to stay in the area so and I was like and also we've thought about what it means to be in New York to get our result there Mm -hmm. and whether we can actually enjoy the rest of our holiday if we get a, a negative result and it's an expensive holiday. It is an expensive holiday. You don't want to be depressed. No, I mean, I, I, even though I'm so, so desperate to get that embryo back on board, like, um, I just feel like I don't want to waste all that money. And that's terrible to, for it to come down to money and, and the enjoyment of a holiday. But this at the is same time... This is one of time, the things about IVF is that you can just time it. You yeah. can be like, I'm going to wait a month. Yeah. I mean, Kim Kardashian would wait a month. Yeah, exactly. And he was like, and then you can have a few drinks. Yeah. And, you know, you can have a nice time and then, then you come back, then you get into it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that does make sense. It does make sense. Mm-hmm. I'll wait another bit. Mate, I think I think it's a very good decision. Yeah, yeah. And it just means, it will mean taking my oestrogen pills with me to New York because yeah. I'll, my period might start when I'm there and then mm-hmm. you start those on the second day of your period, I think. I mean, I, I did it a couple of months ago. Can't remember. <laughs> Already gone. <laughs> yeah. Info gone. <laughs> yeah. um, so Listen yeah. back to the episodes. <laughs> yeah, tell you that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it could basically mean an embryo transfer. It's looking like beginning of April, first week of April. Cool. Which is cool. That's exciting. Um, and, and really conveniently, I've already looked up the due date and that's Christmas Day pretty ah, much. Well done, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm not going to let that stop me. I, yeah. Obviously, that, um, it would be a blessing if that were to happen. It would be a blessing. So, and you could call it Miracle. Or Jesus. Or Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Or just Jesus. Yeah, just yeah, Jesus, straight just out. Jesus. No covering it up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. So, um, so yeah, that's me. I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty pumped about it. It does feel like a long time away, but between now and then, I've got a, a, a really nice holiday. So yeah, mate, you're gonna can't you've, you've got a jam-packed few weeks. Exactly. Oh, and I've got obviously my attempts to trying to get pregnant naturally. Oh yeah, which, I mean you'll probably be pregnant by then anyway. Exactly. Right. So, so that's what the acupuncturist said last night. She was like, "Well, let's get you pregnant then." <laughs> I was like, okay, we're on. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's where I'm at. Cool. Emma. Okay, so if anybody um, isn't into me talking about pregnancy, then please start fast-forwarding now. Yeah, we'll leave a time code at the beginning so yeah. you know when to stop. Exactly. Um, and we totally understand. Yeah, we do totally understand. That, that was not There was no malevolence in that message. Um, I'm fine. <laughs> wow. Um so I had my twelve week scan today. O M F G Yeah. It was cray cray. I feel weird. I I basically I got back to work after the scan. Everything was fine with the scan. Yeah, I was gonna say you need to tell people <laughs> yeah. the, the result. Baby's fine. Um baby's measuring exactly. It's funny how you say baby rather than the baby. I think I've been watching too much called the midwife. The baby is fine. Um can we say that I call your baby Ziggy? Yes, she calls it Ziggy the zygote. Yeah, so Ziggy's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Ziggy's fine. Wiggling around, like, absolutely fine. Measuring dead on what it should measure. Um, everything's great. She did the, um, the like, Down syndrome neck test. Oh, wow. At that point? Yeah. And she was like, that's fine. And then I went up and had some blood tests for um, other stuff, like, basically more down syndrome my embryos have been tested for down syndrome but only on certain chromosomes so i was just like i'm gonna be extra careful i thought that 
that test came at 20 weeks? Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> In short. Shows what no. I know about pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe a different test? I don't know. Okay. I definitely don't know anything about pregnancy. Um, yeah, so I, I was sitting in this waiting room full of very, 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 very pregnant women. There were no people who were like 12 weeks like me. They were all huge. And I felt a really weird sensation of imposter syndrome. I mm. felt like a fraud. I felt like I didn't belong there. And uh, it was really weird. It was like, I don't know. I just, I, like, I felt kind of claustrophobic and like, I need to get out of here. There's too many pregnant women here. I feel really, like, almost triggered. And mm. then I was like, but wait, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I just think I'm going to have to reprogram my brain completely. Because, mm. you know, I see a pregnant woman and I, my instant thought is, Ugh. Yeah. And now... You. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you swanning yeah, around, showing off your bump. People brought their kids in and I was like... <sighs> and, and like, I can't be like that anymore because I am pregnant. And you're, it's just you're one of weird. them, Emma. I am what, I'm one of them. You're one of them. I don't feel like one of them. <laughs> they all you're also so one of us. Off. They all looked really cross to be there they they basically look mardy as fuck i i just found it weird yeah i just like it was a really weird experience it's the first time i've been in a proper proper kind of pregnancy antenatal environment mm. um before that it's always been in um well I, I went for a midwife appointment but there was no one else there mm. um it was just weird it was really weird and i, I basically i got back to work and like had a massive cry and I don't, I still don't really understand why I did. Yeah. But it's really odd. Anyway. Well, look, com- I mean, off the top of my head, you were going into that scan freaking out. I was. You told me yeah. this morning that you thought that it had gone wrong. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the other thing. So I got, again, I hate using the word triggered, but I did get triggered this morning by discovering that deliciously Ella has the same is like due around the same time as me mm-hmm. and I basically convinced myself this morning that she was going to give birth in August and I wasn't yeah and yeah. then I, like oh I don't know my my brain just went insane essentially this morning but it's all fine yeah well I think that's probably why it was probably a release of your yeah. anxiety and yeah. all of your tension that's that would make anyone cry fucking hell what I have done is booked a session with a counsellor well done. Because I just think if your head's gone nuts, you probably need to talk to someone. Yes. And I do think that... Go you to know, the mind gym, Emma. I, well, I'm going to go Gordon to the mind said. gym, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go and exercise my mind. Um, and it might just be one session that we have. Yeah. But I just think if if you're not able to enjoy something that you so clearly should be enjoying... Not enjoy, I am enjoying it, but if you're if you're not able to kind of relax into it, yeah, you should talk to someone. That anxiety, you don't want that for another six months. No, I don't. I don't want to be thinking that deliciously Ella has stolen my baby. <laughs> that bitch. <laughs> I always knew she would steal your baby, Emma. <laughs> Those energy bars or whatever else she makes. The thing is, I don't even follow her. I don't even really know who I she is. I don't really either. Um, although I did find out that she's married to the son of Tessa Jowell. Oh, really? Yeah. The, well, they're a very attractive, bonny-looking couple, aren't yeah. they? I saw them on Instagram. Yeah. Um... But, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, if anybody has any thoughts on me going insane, please <laughs> let me know because <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Oh well, yeah. But hey, all's well that ends well. Yeah, and it all has ended well. Ziggy's getting jiggy. Ziggy's getting jiggy. Like it's all fine. We're all fine. Oh, the other thing that I did was um, I got to the appointment and they give you this blue folder that you're supposed to carry around with you. Oh yeah, the, the folder. I've heard about this folder. Well, I fucking forgot it, didn't I? Like a twat. And everybody looked at me incredulously, like, "How could you forget?" She hasn't got the folder. And I was like, "Look, I have just done three and a half years of fucking IVF, and I was not made to lug a folder around that." Mm. I was like, "This is just the next step in a process that I've been in." for years so sorry that I forgot the fucking folder I've got an IVF folder right and I take it to all of my appointments but no one fucking cares yeah well no one's asked me for my folder you will be warmly rewarded when you get pregnant oh dear yeah so that's it well done cool place for you thanks There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How are you? You well? Um, yeah, I'm doing fine actually. Weirdly, it's, it's the week that I actually returned to work after like a um, year and a couple of months of being off. <laughs> well, um, best of luck as that starts off. I'm Thank sure you. you'll be fine though. Um, but I suppose, so we, when we do the interviews on the podcast, the first thing we always ask people is to kind of take us through their fertility journey. So do you mind, if you start at the beginning, kind of tell us how it went down? Sure, no problem. So I will say the journey started maybe the latter part of 2014. Um, so that was six months after I got married. And mm. um, I, my husband and I have been together for a while, but we decided that we wanted to have some time to enjoy ourselves as a couple rather than kind of go straight into having kids. Um, but what happened was with with the type of contraception I was on it wasn't doing me any favors so um I was quite moody uh I just didn't feel myself and mm. so what we felt was we'd, we'd take the chance and just because what it was where there were other options but I think with the other options because they're more invasive you'd need time to plan to get them administered so it just meant that we didn't really have time to look into the other options so the only other option was we don't use any contraception and just go with the flow really and I, for some reason, six months later after getting married, we, we seemed quite open to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, as we started that, I noticed that months, months in, I wasn't getting periods one. And as we obviously had to anticipate that there could be a pregnancy that would occur, there wasn't a pregnancy that occurred. So I think mm. both, both things kind of alarmed me in some respects. And on the back of that, I've always had in the back of my mind that I haven't really had the most straightforward menstrual cycle so whilst I wasn't getting any cycles or any bleeds it didn't really bother me at first because who wants to as much as as much as it shows that you're quite healthy who really wants to kind of have one every time of the month it's just it's just one of those things but I mean after because because I wasn't on that contraception for long there was no reason why it would take so long for my body to readjust and go Mm. back to its normal self so I think early start of 2015 um I looked into it and I I told my doctor that I hadn't had a, a bleed yet ever since I'd come I came off the, the pill and what mm. they said was it as you wouldn't imagine that it takes a while give it a couple more months but it got into a couple more months I, I think we're talking June 2015 now I still did not have any period and also a pregnancy hadn't occurred so what yeah. they said was so when I went back to the doctor sorry what he said was are you trying for a baby now I know it seems quite careless to say but if you're not trying for a baby, they're not necessarily going to look into it. I mean, we're dealing with the NHS here. They have to deal mm. with people that, you know, want something now. So I, I kind of had to say, yes, we are trying for a baby. And then when he kind of took my historical account, the fact that I don't have, I have irregular periods and the fact that I'd been off the pill for what would have been near to nine months and I still hadn't had anything, he said, right, we need to look into this. So 
um, the, the normal protocol, and I'm sure your Emma might be familiar, is they, they take the blood tests and everything else just to see what's going on. And what they noticed was whilst everything was on par with what they'd like to see in someone my age and my type of health, they noticed that my progesterone levels were really, really low. And what they said was with the progesterone levels being really low, they're normally supposed to be around 30. Mine were 0.3. So what he was saying was the reason why I wasn't getting a bleed is because I technically wasn't ovulating. Right. And what he said was the fact that you're saying that you're trying to have a baby that, and you're not ovulating, you, you're going to find it very difficult. It's going to be near to impossible. Uh -huh. So he said, what we can do next is we can probably try and um, put you on some medication called clomiphene. And all that does is it's not so much, it doesn't so much help you to have a baby, but it helps you to ovulate. So obviously subsequently some people will fall pregnant from taking the drug. Um, mm. So I said, that all sounds fine to me. We talked through uh, the uh, side effects. And one of them right. was that multi if you get pregnant, a multiple pregnancy could occur because you hyperovulate. Um, there were so many other stuff that occurred from me taking that drug because I was taking it for six months once I said yeah. yes to it. And in the six months that I was taking it, there were some times that I didn't even ovulate. It, was, it basically wasn't helping my body. So six months after taking it, I had a review with the doctor and he said, look, it's really strange for someone your age um, and for, the, for what the drug is, it's really, it's, it's, I find it quite hard to believe that it had, nothing's happened or it hasn't helped yeah. you in any way. So I think, unfortunately, he, he said in these words himself that I can't help you anymore. I'm going to have to mm. pass you on to a fertility clinic. So just choose. He kind of talked me through the options of what was local to Leicester. That's where I am. And um, I chose a local hospital because they have a clinic within that hospital. And mm. within a month or so, I had my first appointment where they went through more invasive tests um, just to check if I had any cysts, if my tubes were blocked, all the, all the regular stuff, like I said, that you, I assume you'd be familiar with. And mm. what came back was that there was nothing um, definitively wrong. So my tubes yeah. weren't blocked. Um there wasn't anything that was out of place. They still obviously picked up the fact that my, my blood work was showing progesterone levels were low, but that wouldn't necessarily be anything that would cause such a problem to the fact that I was I, I hadn't had a bleed up until all that time. Um, so what they said was, right, we're going to need to put you back on Clomid for another couple of months because what your doctor didn't do was he didn't monitor you to see if you were ovulating properly. He wasn't checking inside. He was just doing all the external stuff like the blood work we want to see what's going on inside whilst yeah. you're taking it so fast forward they i did three more rounds of that so in total I did nine rounds of clomiphene and again and so nothing... all this sorry all the so this time you hadn't had a period at all no wow yeah. in, in okay. fact one thing that i didn't mention gabby was i think in between that they even tried to put me on something called provera to force a period to come in, and even that didn't do anything yeah, really, really strange. So frustrating. Really um, frustrating. Not getting it. Really, really frustrating. Uh, so back to to obviously doing, you know, being being at the end of the nine cycles of clomiphene. That's when they then kind of wrote a letter confirming that they've accepted me as a patient, an NHS patient at the clinic, and yeah. they recommend that I am um, um, able to do the one free cycle of fresh cycle of IVF. Um, but before that, I should try the IUI. Um, it is quite a long journey, as you can see, because five years in, we've only now just had our baby. So just to, just to make it quick, we tried <laughs> two cycles of IUI, which didn't result in anything. One cycle was cancelled because I overstimulated with the drugs. Um, I said to them, look, I'm really tired. My body's really tired. I just want to go straight on to IVF now. I don't want to take a chance with IUI. And what they said was, yeah. if you go straight to IVF, you're going to lose your chances with IUI. You can't go back to it. And it's only one fresh cycle. If that doesn't work, because as you know, the chances are very low, then that's it. You're going to have to pay for it yourself. I took the chance, um, did my fresh cycle of IVF, which resulted in um, a successful egg collection, collected quite a few eggs, which turns to, if I'm correct, six embryos, had nice. a transfer, and that resulted in the first successful cycle. But I lost that baby very early on into the cycle. Um, mm. so a couple of months later I had to have a break so now we're talking uh, Jan January 2017 is just mm. when obviously it confirmed that I had lost the baby had to take a bit of a break and again I, I went back into the same struggle of not having any periods so once mm. I finally got one they started my second frozen cycle 
which resulted in the birth of Sebastian. So, so that's my oh, story, wow. really. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, and I'm sorry to hear that you, you had a miscarriage. That must have been really hard to deal with after all of the Clomid rounds, etc. It was hard, um, but I think I got so far that, to be honest, there was a point in time when, as, as, as weird as it seems, I got to the stage where I was just happy that my body could actually conceive. And so, um, and so, brilliant news! You have uh, little Sebastian now. How old is Sebastian? Sebastian is—he's just turned eleven months, so he's going to be one next month. He's absolutely gorgeous. And obviously, your kind of journey encouraged you to start blogging and speaking openly about your experience. And what what was it that prompted that? So when I started, I think it was when I when it was finally confirmed that I'd go through IVF. I mean. Going through it now, I'm realising how common it is for, for, for ladies to be struggling with infertility. But one of the things that I found was I had no one to talk to. I was very unfamiliar with it. It was something that I read in the magazines that celebrities have it. But I, 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 if I look back, I would never thought that I'd be the person to to go through IVF at my age. I would have been 27 at the time. Mm. Um, so what I did actually was whilst I was going through the cycle, I just for some reason I just sought out an online community on Instagram. And what yeah. I found was there was it was a really, really good supportive community, but within it, so I, I think I ended up with about 250 odd followers, and I can probably count on half a hand how many of them were African Caribbean or black women. Mm. Mm. And for me, while whilst you know the struggle is the same, how you deal with it within your family unit, that was what was important to me. And I couldn't relate to anyone because I didn't find any black women within that circle. So that was what was quite hard. And that's what got me to start talking about it openly because I felt that, yeah. is it a thing where it's not common with, within the African Caribbean community or is it something that is happening? It's, is it just that no one's talking about it and therefore everybody who is suffering in silence is alone? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Why do you think, because we've, we've noticed that as well, um, that... There isn't a lot of diversity in the online community. What? Why do you think it is? Oh, so it's a really hard question, but a good question at the same time. I think, I think it's a kind of a snowball effect. I think what it is is no one's really spoken about it. So where no one's spoken about it, people that do, and there are a lot of black women that are suffering from fertility. In fact, statistically, as I've started to do my own research, because of diets and just generally like cultural things, we tend to have fibroids and polycystic ovaries. So it's actually, infertility is actually very, very common. Now, I think the reason why people don't talk about it is because they don't hear anybody else talk about it. So they're quite frightened to, to speak up. I also think it might have something to do with cultural values. It's, mm. I think when it comes to anything related to sex or intimacy or having a baby, it's not something that's freely spoken about within family units. So mm. in the same way, when it comes to trying to conceive, that's something that's kept a secret. I mean, the only time when you start speaking about it is when a woman falls pregnant, goes beyond the, the safe period, which is the 12 weeks, tells her family. And even that, there's some families that still quite secretive. So anything before that is, is deemed a very big secret. You just don't talk about that kind of stuff. And I think I can't really put my hand on it as to why, I just think it's a cultural value that's followed through through the past yeah, times. Yeah. And is um do you think the the kind of Christian element comes into it as well at any point? Uh in in some respects, I I feel that with the Christian element it could be a bit more personal. So I've had to bear in mind that there are some black ladies that are Muslim. So it's mm. it's it's slightly different. If I have to speak on my own behalf, the Christian mm. side of things, again, depending on how how you see yourself within your faith, I think some people have different beliefs. So on one side, you may have a Christian lady struggling with infertility. I, I found that it was quite common with the Catholic ladies that I spoke to within the, the social media community, that the Instagram community that I was with. A lot of them would say that they didn't believe that IVF was a good thing and the reason why is because that is not the conventional way to have a baby mm. um so I think part of it there's different denominations of Christianity you see 
So within the Catholic faith, I think it's definitely down to biblical principles. They they say that there's nothing in the Bible that definitively says that's the way you should conceive a child. But then if we go into the more charismatic side of Christianity, Pentecostal churches that are very much more into um, just believing that the Holy Spirit would do it and, and, and that kind of stuff, how how they define their faith is slightly different. So it's very much mm. more weight on God. So it, it's quite hard to say because I think people kind of manage and, and believe in things slightly differently depending on what denomination they fall under. And with me being from a, a, a Pentecostal church and my father-in-law um, is, is a bishop, I wouldn't say my church was... Um, ignorant to it or against it but they were none the wiser at the same time I I feel like there's almost a an understanding that it's just something that will happen when the time is right when it's God's time and I suppose you're kind of taking you're kind of empowering yourself and and kind of taking steps that are necessary to to increase your chances is that a kind of a strange thing for you to be obviously kind of the belief that it will happen when God's ready, but then equally you're kind of empowering yourself to, to make other steps. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the back of my mind, that it's something that I do stand on. You know, I, I, I take my faith very, very seriously. And it, biblically it does, it does say that obviously God's timing is best at the same time. If, if I had to go, <laughs> if I had to, to quote a few scriptures, there's also scriptures that say that faith without works is dead. And I'm a firm mm. believer of the fact that, I mean, even if you read self-help books, a lot of them go by biblical principle. Mm. So faith that works is dead. It also can be defined as the fact that, you know, you've got to make things happen. You can't just sit and wait. And for me, I I had to look at the bigger picture and think, actually, if, I, if I'm praying for this child, how about I see, you know, having IVF under the NHS as a blessing? That, that could be God's way of helping me. Mm, um, absolutely, and that, that was my thinking it wasn't just kind of sitting there and waiting and having a Virgin Mary experience it doesn't work like that I'm, mm. I'm much more open to the world that we live in and I do believe that there are people that are working under the NHS that I have a lot of respect for that have helped me along the way mm. I think that's a really nice way of looking at it um, yeah. that it is a blessing um, and and what's the response been like to your kind of your openness do you know what I I <sighs> I'm really, really chuffed by the response. I I was really scared and I felt very vulnerable opening up. But as we speak, I've had um, ladies email me and say, look, you've really, really helped me to to talk about it. And weirdly, I found that around the... There must have been something in the air, Gabby, because I found that around the time that I opened up about the struggle, then you had Gabrielle Union, the actress, that all of a sudden started speaking about her battles. And then all of a sudden, Michelle Obama pops up. And starts uh-huh. talking about her daughter. So it just felt like it was just the right time to start speaking about it. Because you had all these people that we see in the public domain that were mm. also speaking about their journey. So I felt like at that moment in time, a, a lot of, of black women or ethnic minority women that are struggling. Because I, I know that it's also something that's quite common in the Asian community. Were mm. sending me emails and, and sending me Insta messages saying, thank you so much. You really helped me. Asking questions. And it makes you think, like, all of these people, if I'd, if I'd not, you know, published, you know, worked with the Metro to publish the article and, and, and written this blog, how, how would we know that these, these ladies are suffering silence? Like, when, when would they have come out to seek help and figure Absolutely. out what they can do? So, so mm. I'm really, really happy um, about the response. And it, it, it continues. I, I still have people um, calling me or saying, can I take your number? I'd like to talk to you. I need some advice. How do you feel about me taking cloning things? So it's 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 tr- strange how these small things can turn into really really big things. I'm because I'm seeing obviously how big, you know, the, your your podcast has become just from mm-hmm. you guys just taking that step to help other women. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it is a big thing. Um, as you say, big for you as well in feeling kind of vulnerable um, talking about it. So you know, you've done an amazing job. Thank you. Um, and I guess the kind of the last question would be, you know, if if there are women listening to this who are, you know you also find it difficult within their community to talk about it openly. Would you have any advice for them? The best, the best advice I can give is they should open up to someone that they feel comfortable with. Just, it just takes one conversation to get something going. And for me, before I even started the blogging, I found that there was one or two people 
um, within my network that had struggled with the same thing. I hadn't spoken about it, but it was just nice to be able to relate to someone. And, and the only way you can find out that somebody else has walked that journey before is just by opening up. And I, I wouldn't say put yourself out there. Obviously, you have to be wise and obviously who you share information with. But if it's something that they're really struggling with, I would advise that if there's one person that they know they can seek help from or just simply speak to, to air out their frustrations, do it. And um, I think, you know, there are stories out there if people are seeking kind of examples of people like them that are going through it. I guess that, you know, people aren't alone, right? It's 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 prolific and for every for women everywhere. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, yeah, I, I agree, I agree. We're definitely not alone. And um, one of the things that I will say is, whilst I am trying to do a lot to help African Caribbean women I have also benefited from speaking to people that are not within that don't share the same cultural values as me I've benefited from that because I don't think I would be where I am today if I hadn't joined that Instagram community I was just so touched and so inspired by a lot of the women that there that were putting themselves out there showing their identity really kind of talking through the nitty-gritty details of what they were going through and for me that was something that I looked back on and that's what made me think actually if someone's made their self vulnerable and that's helped me and inspired me then why would I not do it so it's not just about whilst I feel like my my main calling or my main thing is to help African Caribbean women there was mm. something special about joining community or women from other ethnic minorities and just seeing how they dealt with stuff that made me think mm. actually if this is something that I can start in our community make a big difference and, and so far it has brilliant okay well um that's absolutely fantastic Vanessa thank you thank you now it's time for ask the expert which we still haven't renamed so that was so professionally done though mate thanks we should be voiceover artists yeah if anyone wants to get in touch please do um yeah, so we were talking to Professor Tim about timings. Okay, so um, at one point during after my embryo transfer, I had six alarms a day for drugs, plus one every three days for the patch. And I think there was one day where I forgot to change my patch. There was another day where I forgot quite late on in the process where I forgot to take a pessary. Mm-hmm. Do you take a pessary? Do you shove a pessary? Mm. I don't know. Um, Do you welcome a pessary? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I don't know. I I didn't really get stressed about it. But when I Googled it, a lot of people got stressed about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, who knows, right? I haven't actually had this problem yet, really, apart from, like, the injections. I was pretty fast and loose with them. Apart yeah. from the trigger, which I was very, very unfast and loose about. But yeah, I was, the rest of us was kind of like, yeah, I'm sure that's fine. That's vaguely the right time of day. Yeah, yeah, it's the afternoon. But um, I'm about to do my frozen embryo transfer and that, I, th- I think my, my drug intake is going to ramp up significantly. Oh, yeah. So I will have... Well, you've got injections and pessaries, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. What a great time you're going to have. I know, really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we thought we'd speak to Professor Tim about it and see what he thought, whether we should freak out if we miss it or, or whether it's absolutely fucking fine. So it depends which drugs we're talking about. Um, if they're having a long protocol IVF and they're in the damn regulation bit, um, which might be a daily injection or a sniffer, sniffer drug two to four times a day, then if you, sh- if you forget, um, it doesn't really matter. Just take the next one as soon as possible and just sort of keep on going with it. Um, if you're in the stimulation part of it, so you're taking the daily stimulation FSH drugs such as GONLF or something like that. Um, most clinics will advise people to take that at roughly the same time each evening mm. um, because that lets you then have your monitoring scan and blood tests in the day. It lets the clinic then tell you what to do with the drug dose, moving it up or down. Um, if you forget it, again, it's not the end of the world. Um, the, the half-life of these drugs is very long. So even if someone probably missed out a whole day of in, an injection, it's not really going to make any difference because there'll be a lot of drugs in the system from before. So if someone has forgotten, then I would just, or it's late, I would just make it as soon as you remember and make sure you get back into the swing after that. The one where it's important to make sure you take the right time is the late night trigger injection because that's the one that is given 
Um, it depends on the clinic, but roughly 36 hours or so before the egg collection. So it's very tight and thin. Um, and if you if you take that too early, you know, if you took, someone took it two or three hours too early, then potentially when you go into the clinic for your egg collection, you potentially could have ovulated. If it's too late, so two or three hours too late, what it could mean is when you go in for your egg collection, the time the clinic had told you, it may be that it's not had its full effect of working yet, and some of the eggs could be immature. So we had a patient recently who, for some reason, um, uh, delayed her late night injection by two or three hours because uh, she forgot, and so we had to rearrange the. Um, she let she, she let us know before she came in. We had to push her egg collection time back by two or three hours. That can be a problem if you've got other patients booked in. And then in relation to the drugs that you take post-transfer uh, to support potential pregnancy, such as progesterone, um, is it the same then? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, again, clinics will vary. So some of the, if you, most people would be taking some form of vaginal progesterone and it depends on the preparation. That could be two or three times per day. Again, the, long, the, the half-life is quite long for these. And so we would generally suggest women space them out um, during the day. I mean, if it's Twice a day, obviously that roughly means 12 hours, but we wouldn't say someone has to stay up late at night or get up particularly early in the morning, for instance, to just fit in with the time. So I think, you know, two, three hours either way is not going to make any difference. And again, if someone forgets, then just get on with the next dose. So take the dose you've missed ASAP and then just switch back into it. Thanks, Professor Tim. <laughs> That's it, guys. <laughs> what is that laugh? I don't know. <laughs> I think we're going mad. It's because we're on this new tiny mic and I was just moving my head around like, <laughs> side to side. It was weird. It, it's a cool looking mic though, isn't it? It looks cool, yeah. yeah. It doesn't look as cool as the one I lost. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. We'll get I, it. We'll, get well I am going to replace it. At great expense. I'm an idiot. Um, Have a, a great week, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget to try and bag tickets for the Thriver event if you can. And hopefully we'll see some of you there. Yeah, I hope you all feel enabled for success. Indeed. Go forth. Be brilliant. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 